Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Years, I'd say at least. And uh, how many have ever looked at somebody's life, marriage, business, uh, the way they carry themselves, whatever, and, and envied what's something that somebody else has or, or, or admired? Or desire to have a, a marriage like them, or, or a relationship with God like them, or a biz, whatever it is. How many? How many have done that before? I mean, we probably all should, in some way, look at somebody else's life and say, "Man, I, I, that that that's the marriage I want. Man, that's that's the finances I want. Man, that's the relationship with God, the fi- the fire for God that I want. All those things that we desire to see in somebody else. We've got to understand this principle tonight. It does not happen by accident." Nothing successful happens by accident. Everything that is done in our lives that is good. Now, there's a grace from God. Can you say amen? How many can say that God has done some things in your life that was totally him? Okay, we understand that. This is not a works-based message. I'm not talking about our works to be saved or any of that. I'm talking about understanding that if we're going to have some things that we want, we've got to do something ourselves to make it happen and line up with God, okay? So I sent the text out today. You might not have got a chance to get it or might not have had a chance to, to, to respond to this, but I want to challenge you again this year, starting tonight. I see lots of notebooks open, and that's exciting. Get a notebook. If you use your phone or your tablet, that's fine, but take notes. Make this a year where you take notes. Can I get a better amen? If you struggle writing, if you struggle whatever, that's fine. Try Put forth an effort. Get, get, get a notebook and write some things down because there are a few people in this world, few people, who are gifted enough to hear something and retain it. A few people. I would say it's on a, hand, uh, a handful of people in the world can hear stuff, and, and, re- and I could talk to you after the service. You could tell me every verse I talked about and every note that I said. Mir- miraculous, supernatural, amazing retention. But 95% of us are not that way. And for us to remember, for us to retain, for us to grow, for us to learn, we got to write some things down, and we got to take notes, and we got to go back over them again. That's one of the reasons that we do this. And so as we start talking about setting goals, goal setting is writing things down. Okay? It's writing things down. It's, it's, It's saying this is some things. Now, I'm not, I can't write good. So for a long time, I don't have good penmanship unless I write super slow and I don't have the patience for that. Although I still take notes on my notebook when somebody else is preaching because I, I, I just I, I still feel like the need of writing it down. Now, I can do it sometimes on my phone at conference or whatever, but I have a whole bunch of notebooks full of notes, and, and, and it's helped me over the years to be able to go back and look at these things and, and see them again and, and retain by reading it again. So... I've always said this, and I want to say this again at the beginning of the year because we're setting habits. Okay, how many are setting some habits this year? During this fast, you're doing some things right now that you don't normally do, and the goal is, as I said before, that some of the things you're doing right now, your prayer life, your reading, your fasting food, or fasting social media and all that, it's not going to do us any good if we do all this, and then in three weeks we go back to who we were at the beginning of January, and we do the same things we were doing before. We're going to get the same results that we got last year. Something has to change. And, 
And I learned in one year in, in business where I was in sales as a regional manager for sales for a, a company. Uh, my boss was a self-made millionaire, um, and, he, and he taught me a lot of things. I'm still friends with him today. We don't talk very much. Every once in a while, we'll send each other a text. But God put him in my life at a time in my life where I needed direction in this area of setting goals. Because every person in here has dreams. Every person in here has goals. Every person in here, whether you know it or not, when you say, I wish I had, or I wish I could do, or I hope someday I can, when you say those things, that's a goal. You're, you're hoping for something you don't have. But those things are not going to happen 90% of the time by accident. They're going to happen because you set something in motion, and this man taught me. He said, have, when, he said, have you ever written down your goals? And I said, No. And he taught me, he said, write them down. And that, that was the year that I began to do that in my own personal life, personal things, and then ministry things. And then I've done that for the last 10 years, and I've seen success in that because it's exactly what the Bible is going to tell us here in a second, that we have to have a vision that is written down so that we can go back and look at it. If you just keep it all up here, like I said, some of us are super smart. When I say some of us, I'm not saying me, by the way. Some people are super smart and can retain a lot and and some people are wired that way but most of us need to write things down and so I've said for years if you write something down okay if you hear something you get if you if you left this message tonight didn't take a note nothing you just you heard you might retain maybe 25% of what I say maybe but if you hear it write it down as you're writing it down and then go back and look at it again later you'll probably retain about 50% of it but watch this. What if you heard it, wrote it down, went back and looked at it later, and then looked at it again later after that a few days, a week, whatever, you would probably get closer to 75 or 100% of retention. You, that, that's, that's what learning is, is, is repetitiveness and hearing things over and over again. And even in the gospel, a lot of times, we hear things over and over again, like when I preach that message on, do you have your passport? That might be a message everybody's heard. That's simple gospel. But we need to hear things over and over and over again till it gets in our heads till it is something that we do without even thinking right don't you want to, don't you want to have a prayer life that you do without even thinking don't you want to have a hunger for the word of god without somebody telling you, you should read your bible don't you want to have a dominion over the devil don't you want to have some authority in your life without having to beg for it Amen. Don't you, want to have, don't you want to walk in the favor of God and the victory of God? Don't you want to see some things take place in your life that you've never seen before? If you want any of those things, you have to do something repetitively over and over again until it becomes a habit. Too many people, and I'm not, I haven't even gotten to my message yet, amen. Too many people in, in life want something, but they don't want to do anything for it. And, and this generation especially is a lazy generation. We, we, we want everything handed to us, and we, we want everything just given to us, and we don't want to pay a price for anything. And, and serving God has a price. There are some things we have to sacrifice. There's some things we have to give up. If you want to see your family changed, if you want to see your marriage changed, if you want to see things in your finances changed, you got to do something. You can't just sit back and wish and hope. I've got a quote that says this. If it doesn't challenge you, it's not going to change you. Can you say amen? If it doesn't challenge you, it's not going to change you. Here's another one. A goal without a plan is only a dream. A goal without a plan is only a dream. 
And so I want to kind of give you some ideas tonight on how to set some goals and write some things down and, and, then, and then see them happen this year. Now, I want, I want you all to help me together as a congregation, and I want you to, those that have been doing this before, let's just go off last year. We could go off a bunch of years past, but how many people last year at the beginning of 2019 were in this church, you wrote down goals, and you saw some of those goals come to pass? Let me see your hands. Lift them up and keep them up for a second. Look around at all those hands. You know what that tells me? It works. Not just one person raised their hand. A lot of people. Now, some of you might not have even been here at the beginning of last year, so that's a lot of hands. What that, so if something works, we should do it. Right? If something works, let's do it. So, we're, and, and I can tell you that how I've learned over the years is writing things down, making myself. I'm a pastor. I've been saved a lot of years. I could sit back when Pastor Paul was here Sunday morning and say, oh, I've heard that before. But I'm taking notes because I'm showing myself first and foremost and then everybody else. I'm teachable. I'm not done learning. Amen. I'm never going to stop learning. I'm never going to be done learning. I'm never going to have arrived. Has anybody here realized that? You're not going to arrive till we get to heaven. So we keep learning and learning and learning. And so there's a lot of stuff that we need to write down. Here's what a goal is. The goal is a result of achievement, which, in, which includes effort. Right? Effort is included. The result of achievement toward which effort is directed. We have to put forth effort if we're going to see God do something. Now let's look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And let's look what the Bible says here about uh, what, what he said we should do. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer. Watch this. What I will answer when I am corrected. Is, how many want to be corrected by God this year? Let me see your hands. I got both hands up and both feet. I want to be corrected by God. He says, then the Lord said, write your vision down. That's goals. Write your vision down and make it plain on tablets. He was prophesying that, wasn't he? <laughs> now we actually have tablets. On tablets, on paper, on whatever. And he says, that he may run who reads it. Now, who's he? Who, you're, you first and foremost. But those who come behind and those who are following and those who are watching, that he may run who reads it. Verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. What that means is we're not, we're not believing for something we already have. You're not setting a goal this year for something you've already attained. You've got a belief for something you don't have, something you haven't seen, something that hasn't taken place. And listen, sometimes, as we just heard, joy saw a miracle happen in the first week. Praise God. What a miracle. What a blessing. Amen. Everybody's going to go and ask joy to pray for stuff after this. Amen. She took a whole week to pray for that couple. I was thinking, I've got some stuff to ask joy for, pray for. Amen. She was successful. Doesn't always happen that way. You don't always get the answer the first week. Okay, but the answer is going to come, but it's not going to usually be right away. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. We don't like to wait, do we? Amen. How many know? How many know what doing good things with God is a slow process? Right? Isn't it a slow process? It's not. There's nothing fast in God. God's God's ways are not our ways. And I wrote this down. It, it, it's a slow process, but quitting won't speed it up. Amen. Quitting's not going to speed it up. And, I, and I'll get to that in a minute. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will 
Tell someone next to you, it's going to come. Write it down. It'll come. Okay? And it, and it will not tarry. That means it's not going to take forever. It'll, it'll happen. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just, how many have ever heard this verse? The just shall live by what they see. What does it say? The just shall live by faith. So, so if you haven't written goals down yet, I'm challenging you tonight to elbow the person next to you. We sleep when you get home. Amen? When you, when you, when you uh, get, get done tonight, if you haven't written goals, you've got till Sunday. Sunday morning, we will pray over them as a church. We will come to the altar. We will say, God, here's my goals for the year, and we're going to pray over them. Okay, if you haven't yet. And, and there, these need to be personal goals for yourself, personal goals. It can be family goals, and you can write church goals, physical goals, financial goals, whatever the Lord leads. But I've always, I've always challenged people to try to keep a list to about 10 things. Because if you were 20 or 30 or 40 and your pen starts writing like crazy, how many know you might not ever get to 10? Right? you gotta, you got to have some stuff that's, that's, uh, that's, that's attainable. Okay, now write this down if you're taking notes. Uh, there's two types of things I need to, to, to write goals down about. One is things that are attainable. Things that, that means that I have not achieved them yet, and in some aspect, if I'll discipline myself and I'll trust God and I'll do what I'm supposed to do, I can attain it. Does that make sense? I, I'm, I'm involved. Okay, I, I'm, I, I've got to do my part. And the second part is, you need to write some goals down that only God can do. Only God can do. You want to have some goals on your list that although you're going to do your part, it's, got to be, it's going to be impossible without God. God has to be involved. Amen? Now, I've got a story this will not be the first time you've heard it, but I told you repetitiveness is good. There, how many know there's just some stories that are good? Okay, and I, I want to tell a quick story about the CEO of Walmart from 1988 to 2000. Now, I, I've heard things about Walmart today that they're not what they used to be and all this and that when Amazon's come along. But listen, Walmart's still a powerhouse. They're a humongous company. They've been very successful. They've made a lot of money. And so as a company, they, they, they are a good example of, of doing things right, okay? So David Glass was the CEO of Walmart from 88 to 2000. Remember those years? And back in 62, 1962, he heard of a guy named Sam Walton. Heard of a guy named Sam Walton who was about to open up his second store in Harrison, Arkansas. Now, as I'm reading this, you, we know the final product. See, a lot of problem with goals is and believing God for things is we see the final product of people. We're looking today at that marriage that's got it all together. That's, that's, and it doesn't have it all together, but it's a good marriage because some work's been done. Okay, We look at that marriage and we go, that's that marriage. That's the one I want to have. Or that, that, that Christian walk, that's the one I want to have. Or, or that business, that's the one I want to have. Or that dominion in finances, that's the one I want to have. We're looking at those things and we're seeing the finished product. But the problem is, is we don't see all the work along the way. We don't see all the sacrifice along the way. We don't see all the blood, sweat, and tears along the way. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Don't we do that? We want that end product, but we don't want to pay the price to get there, really. We just want to jump. 
We just want to say, Lord, I want to be there. I want to have that perfect. But inside, we're not really willing to do the work. We're not willing to change us. So we hear Walmart today worldwide and, and four children, I think it's four, somewhere around there, who are all in the top ten most richest people in the world from Sam Walton, their dad, because of the legacy that he left financially. We see that humongous empire that it is, but we don't see this. That Sam Walton was about to open his second store in Harrison, Arkansas. Only a few people even know where Harrison, Arkansas is. Glass, the CEO, later on, was running a successful drug chain store in Missouri. And he said, you know what, I'm going to go check out this Sam Walton's grand opening. He says, what I saw did not impress me. He said, Walton had a bunch of truckloads of watermelons in the front parking lot. And he had a bunch of donkeys in the parking lot for the kids to ride. And, and, and the temperature got up on that asphalt to about 115 degrees. So as they're out there, he said, the watermelons start exploding from the heat. And the donkeys did what donkeys do. So he said, it was a mess, literally. And he said, but looking back on that day, the parking lot was a mess. The store inside was a mess. I thought Sam Walton was a nice fellow but I wrote him off. I thought this is the worst store operation I've ever seen. How many see what I'm doing here? You look at, you look at what that, that man saw Sam Walton at, at his beginnings. Saw Sam Walton when he was getting started. We see Sam Walton today. We see Walmart. We see the finished product. But that man was seeing him in his raw days. That's the great thing about the gospel. That's, that's what our church is all about, getting people saved in their raw days. Amen? When they don't really know anything about God, and they and they're, they're need their diapers changed, and they're dirty, and they stink, and they make mistakes. But we know there's a future for them. Amen? So he says, looking back, we find out that 25 years later, now David Glass was working for that Sam Walton as the president of what had become the most successful chain of retail stores in the world. Now, I said all that to say this. Glass says, watch this, there was something inside Sam Walton that made him improve every day. Every day. We're not good at that as people, especially Christians a lot of times. Because we throw everything in the spiritual. We throw everything up in the air and say, just hope it. We just throw up spiritual, spiritual wish dust. Don't we? We just throw stuff up in the air and we just, God, I hope this, kind of like throwing at the, at, the, at the dartboard blindfolded. I hope it hits something. Right? We don't have really a, a plan. We don't really have a purpose. And, and so he says, I looked at Sam Walton and he made improvement every day. Now watch this. He was not a man who set up impossible ideas Ideals, but he was a man who always aimed for a goal. That's why we always talk about during this fast, if, if you've never really had a prayer life, we get excited in church and we say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray for an hour. No, you're not. You can't pray for five minutes yet. So that's not an attainable goal. That's great. It sounds good. And, and, and I'm going to fast for 21 days. I'm not going to eat anything, just drink water. And, and I'm going to pray six hours a day. And I'm going to go outreach for three hours a day. And, and all these things we do, but those aren't attainable goals because we're not doing the five-minute prayer yet. And we're not witnessing to anybody yet. Oh, it got quiet in here. Right? 
So we have to have something every day that we're aiming for. That's why he says, write it down. If you don't write it down, and you don't, that's what that man taught me, is that if I don't write it down, I can't go back and look at it. I can't reference it. Watch this. I can't scratch it off the list once it happens. There ain't nothing more exciting than going back to your goal list and scratching it off the list. Done. And then believing for something bigger. Amen? Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, The plan, I love this verse, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. Now, look at this. Here we see goals, plans, but we also see the word diligent, which means I don't just make a goal, I make a decision to follow up on it. Amen? I, I'm not just going to write something down, but I'm going to do my best to stick with it. The people that I admire the most, I'm just going to tell you who the people I admire the most, the people I admire the most in the, in, the, in the world of faith are people who have done this for a long time, consistently and faithfully. They don't have to be, I didn't say, did you notice, I didn't say pastors necessarily, although there's a lot of pastors that I admire in our fellowship. I'm not talking about just pastors. I look at our home church, and I go back to that conference every year, and I see people who've been in that church for 40 years. 35 years, 30 years. I see people who've been married for a long, long time. Pastor, Pastor Paul mentioned that couple in the church, married 67 years. That doesn't happen by accident. And so I, I, I admire people who are, have some longevity in them, who, who can say, I've done this for a minute, right, to talk Southern. I've done this for a while. I'm not, this isn't my first rodeo. I have that up in my wall in the office, amen? This isn't my first rodeo. I'm going to like to get around some people who've been through some stuff. And not just the victories, but also the struggles. Because that's why that thing says, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Rockefeller. Let's, let me finish the verse. Sorry, the plans of the diligent, and we'll leave it up there if you don't mind. Surely lead to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. Hasty means that they want it yesterday. That they want it quick, and they don't want to do anything for it, and they don't want to put an effort in for it. Now, can I just clarify again? I'm not talking about anything salvation here. I'm not talking about anything we're doing for God to love us more. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we're saved, we're born again, we're blood-bought, we're children of God, but now what are we doing with this great salvation that God has given us? What are we doing to make an impact? I got another story I love. The very first person to reach the status of billionaire. You know, there's a lot of billionaires today. A lot. More than ever before. Back in my day, when I was a, when I was a young buck, it was, a, it was millionaires. Lots of millionaires. Very few billionaires. Matter of fact, Rockefeller was one of the few that I knew of. Today is lots of them. But the very first billionaire was a man who knew how to set goals and follow through. Stay with me on this. At age of 23, how many people I got in here that are close to the age of 23 within three or four years? Let me see your hands. Look at all those young people. Amen. Some, some of us are raised by faith. Amen. The just shall live by faith. At the age of 23, listen to this, young people. He had become a millionaire. Rockefeller was a millionaire. Now, how many know the, the money's a little different today than it was 50, 60 years ago, right? At 23 years old, Rockefeller was a millionaire. And by the age of 50, 
How many 50-year-olds? Now we got to closer to 50 within three or four years. I still don't have to raise my hand yet. So I said three or four. I got till Tuesday. I didn't raise my hand for either one. Listen to this. By the age of 50, he was a billionaire. Every decision, attitude, and relationship that he had was to create his personal power and wealth. Listen, but three years later, at 53, Rockefeller became deathly ill. Deathly ill. His entire body became racked with pain. He lost all the hair on his head in complete agony. Listen, the world's only billionaire at that time could buy anything he wanted, but he could only digest milk and crackers. I mean, that's not sad. Buy anything he wants, but only could eat milk and crackers. One of his associates said he could not sleep, he would not smile, and nothing in life meant anything to him. His personal, highly skilled physicians predicted he would die within a year at 53 years old. That year passed agonizingly slow. See, we see that delay sometimes. As he approached death, he awoke one morning with the vague remembrances of a dream. He could barely recall the dream, but knew it had something to do, watch this, with not being able to take any of his successes with him into the next, into eternity. The man who could control the business world suddenly realized, somebody needs to get this, the man who realized, that, or who controlled the business world realized he could not control his own life or where he was going to spend eternity. He was left with a choice. He got up and called his attorneys, his accountants, his managers, and announced that he wanted to channel all his assets to hospitals and research and mission work. On that day, John Rockefeller established his foundation. This new direction eventually led to the discovery of penicillin. Because Rockefeller had a life-changing moment, his life turned into the discovery of penicillin. I mean, that's not important today. Cures for certain strains of malaria and tuberculosis. Because he had a moment. I want to stay here for a second. We need a moment where things change. Now watch this. We, we not only, we have a moment when we get saved. But a bunch of us in here tonight need another moment. We need to, we need to get on fire again for God. You've lost your love. You've lost your fire. You've lost your fervency. You can clap or say, woe is me. You've lost it. You don't pray like you used to pray. You don't read like you used to read. You don't outreach like you used to outreach. You don't love God like you used to love God. You're here, thank God. Thank God you're here. But you've lost your first love. And you need to turn around, and here's my recommendation to you tonight, and I hope every ear is listening. Turn around to God now before something has to happen to get your attention. Can I say that again? Get right now. And I say, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you're dead. I'm saying you're cold. I'm saying that you're just going through the motions. You're just showing up. But you're not in love with the Lord like you used to. You don't pray like you used to. You don't cry like you used to. You don't read like you used to. You don't care like you used to. You don't give like you used to. You don't show up to church like you used to. You don't shout like you used to. You don't praise like you used to. You don't love like you used to. You've lost something. You've lost something. 
and God will give it back to you, but you got to do it before something's taken from you. It's better to learn before because your fire will come back one way or another. What did Rockefeller have to do? He had to find, fall deathly ill to get, it, to get it together, right? I'm talking about praying because you want to pray, not because you know you have to. I'm talking about giving because you want to give, not because you know you have to. I'm talking about loving because you want to love, not because you know you have to. I'm talking about serving God because you realize it's an honor and a privilege to serve the King of Kings and not something we should have to do or get pulled to do or get begged to do. It's an honor and a privilege to serve God. What an opportunity we have every time we wake up to praise God. Amen. After all that, Rockefeller, who was given a year to live at 53, lived to be 97 years old and died pretty much of old age in his sleep. How many want to go that way? Come on, be real. In his sleep as a God-fearing, church-attending Christian. Amen. How many want to end up that way? Right there. That should be your number one goal. Your goal should always start off at the beginning of your list, personal relationship with Jesus. Always. All the rest, I'm going to get to this. I'm, I'm trying to get through this fast. All the rest is going to come. Okay? And I'm, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Rockefeller gave away in his, in his, in his lifetime while he was alive over $530 million. Gave away. It's a lot of money. Now, one of the reasons, church, that we don't, we don't do what God wants us to do is what Luke 14, 28 to 30 says. And this is something I want to do better this year as a pastor at the altar, and especially in salvation calls. And as a church, we need to do this. We need to do better at letting people understand that when they say the sinner's prayer and give their life to Jesus, they did not just get fire insurance for their life. They have signed up for an army. And, and this army is an army that fights, and there's battles, and, there's, and it's, it's going to be the hardest thing, you, the best but the hardest thing you've ever done. Maybe you're starting to realize that now. Maybe you've been saved for a little while. You're a new convert this last year, and you're starting to realize, man, this is tough. This isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And, and if it was cracked up to be easy, then we did a bad job anyways. Because the Bible says we've got to bear, carry our cross. Amen. That's another reason we're not, we're not on fire, because we don't want to carry the cross. We don't, want it, we don't want to challenge. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to be bothered. Amen. My prayer of revival is that I don't have to beg and ask and hope that we get on fire, but that we'll get on fire. Amen. Right? So he says, for which of you intending to build a tower doesn't sit down and first what? Shout it out with me. Count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. How many are in a race tonight? You might not know it, but you are. And the countdown's over our head. Amen? Lest after he's laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, and all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Don't be starters. Be finishers. It's a lot of starters. A lot of people come and get saved and get excited and shout and tell things about God and do things for God, but then they die off and they're not here today. 
As I say that, you can think of all kinds of people coming to your mind, even the last year. They're not here today. Where are they at? Who knows? I don't know where they're at, but they're not here. Are they serving God? Are they living for the Lord? I don't know. Did they, did they count the cost? Now, let me push through this real quick. Habakkuk 2.2 again says, write that vision down and make it plain on tablets that he who may run who reads it. I want to give you two principles, just two, not four, not five, but I'm going to push through this. Number one, two important principles to setting goals. This, this is, this is going to change your life right here if you write these down and get, and get a hold of this. Number one, keep God first, and he will keep you first. Can I get an amen on that? Keep God first, and he will keep you first. Okay? That, might, that sounds simple, doesn't it? That sounds kind of elementary, doesn't it? But we don't do it a lot of times. Keep God first, and he will keep you first. Amen. Psalms 37.4, one of my favorite verses. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I, I have had so many times in my life where I've seen God do this, where I, I, I look and say, that's just that was just a desire of my heart. I didn't even ask for that. Listen to me here. You're going to get excited. I, I know I've been preaching at you a little bit, but I'm going to encourage you right here with this. I want you to get this. If you'll get this principle, you'll start to realize that when you put God first, he begins to answer petitions that are in your heart that you don't even ask for. Desires of your heart. He'll begin to give you things that, that, that you're not even asking for because he knows you love him. That's, what, that's where Matthew 6, 33 comes from. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what? All these things shall be added unto you. So if you keep God first, he'll keep you. Number two, keep your priorities straight. Keep your priorities straight. Now there's a second part to this, this, this number two, okay? Get ready to write this down. Keep your priorities straight. Take care of your necessities first and then your personal desires. That might change someone's life right there. Take care of your personal necessities first. Necessities first, then personal desires. Let me, let me, let me strike a chord here. Let me hit a nerve here, especially guys. That means you don't spend money on hobbies when you don't pay, can't pay the bills. That means you don't spend time playing games when you're not taking care of your house. Is anybody here? You, you can't put the, your, your personal needs before the needs of your home. It's got to be first. So necessities first. Necessities first. You can't be doing other things when there's no food on the table and the rent's behind. You've got to put the necessities first. And, and when you do, and you do what we talk about with tithing, and you put your finances in God's hands, then he begins to do all that other stuff himself, and it's blessed. Proverbs 24, 27 says, prepare your outside work. Make, yourself, uh, make, a, make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward build your house. That means go to work. I didn't just cuss. Amen. That means go do the work. 
That means go, go after it and then build your house. Then fix up your house. Then make it better. Then make it nicer. Then, then get some newer things. But make sure that the bills are taken care of first. Make sure the necessities are taken care of first. Oh, I wish I had more time. Thank you. This is a good word. I'm telling you, this right here will change your life if you just get these couple things in order and be serious about it. Amen? Don't go through this year comfortable and, and just, I'm just going to show up. Let something stir up inside of you. Let a fire, the Bible says you're supposed to stir up that flame inside of you by yourself. Stir it up. Stir it up. Don't wait for somebody else to stir it up. You stir it up. Do your part. Have personal revival. See God move in a personal way. I was thinking about this over in, in the prayer room. This isn't in my notes. But I was praying over there and I was thinking of all the potential we have in this place in men and women, couples that could go out and start churches. But too many people have to be motivated. Too many people have to be pushed and prodded and begged and come on, do something for God. We, we need something to happen inside of us where, where the, the person that's the discipler is just overseeing what that person is doing for God but shouldn't have to baby step everything they do. Shouldn't have to beg them to be at prayer. Shouldn't have to beg them to be at discipleship. Shouldn't have to beg them to do the right things. Shouldn't have to beg them to treat their wife right. Or Those are things that they should do on their own. Amen. Am I, am I preaching right? We, we shouldn't have to have somebody telling us all the time, we need to get better at this. We need to do that. I know there's a coach. I understand that. But where's our personal motivation coming from? Do you love the Lord? I'm not your Lord. This church ain't your Lord. God's your Lord. Jesus is your Savior. Jesus died for you. Jesus gave his life for you. Live for him. Amen. Live for him and, and put some goals out there that's going to change this world for Jesus. How many know we need some life changers, some, some world shakers in this place? Some people who are going to get on fire and, and, just, and just say, hey, Pastor Licks, I want to tell you what I did this week. I, I won five people to the Lord, and they're coming on Sunday, and, and I'm going to open up a small group, and you give me permission, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, but not have to say, hey, do anything for God? Let's get going. Let's get a fire in us. Let's write some things down. Let's make some things happen. But it starts with putting God first. Maybe you're here tonight as I close, and you're thinking, I've been trying, but, I, but I'm, I'm failing, or, or, or I, I, I'm in a fog right now. I've been in a fog before. I've been there. I'm in a fog. It just seems like I'm just going through the motions. There's a story of a, of a swimmer named Florence Chadwick, and she, everybody know where the English Channel is? 22 miles that people would swim across it. 22 miles. Can you imagine swimming 22 miles? She had swam it twice. I personally can't imagine swimming two miles. But 22 miles, she had swam it twice. In 1952, she went to swim from Catalina uh, Island in California to the coast, which was the same exact distance, 22 miles. She gets out there, she starts swimming. And she was going to be the first one to do it. The weather and the fog, how many have seen the fog the last few days? Can't see 20 feet in front of you when you're driving. That fog came in. It was chilly. She's swimming. She could hardly see the boats around her that were accompanying her. She swam for 15 hours. 15 hours. Listen to this. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother in a boat alongside her said, she was close. She said, Florence, you're close. You can make it. 
I'm telling you tonight, church, prophetically, as a body of Christ, we're close. You can make it. We're close. You can make it. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. We're close. Amen. She says, you're close. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and said, pull me out. It wasn't until she got on the boat that she realized she was less than a half a mile from the coast. 21 and a half miles and had a half a mile left, and she quit. Don't be that person. Don't be that person that God has done so much in your life. There's a lot of stuff going on. We've got worry and doubt and depression and health problems and unemployment, financial uncertainty, strained relationships, all things, those things are always around us. But with God, you can sail above those things. Amen. You can get above those things in praise. You can get above those things in prayer. You can get above those things in faith. And you can soar when everybody else is going down. But listen, don't let somebody else take you down. Pick somebody else up. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. As we stand tonight, I want you to have that mentality of I'm going to finish. Some of you are saying we're starting the year. What do you mean finish? Church, Jesus Christ is coming soon. He could come tonight. Are you ready? Are you watching? Are you looking? Do you care? Hopefully you care. Don't wait for the tribulation to come till you get right. Get right now. Get your heart right. Get your mind right. Get your spirit right. What if Jesus comes tonight? Are you ready? What if, what if your time, what if your time is next week? I'm not saying that to speak death over you or anything like that. We don't know when our countdown's over. Remember that message? Every day that goes by, the countdown goes down. Every day, every day, every day we're closer. But we're close to eternity. You know all of us are one breath from eternity tonight? One breath. One breath from eternity. And tonight we can be ready. We can, we can write some things down and we can believe. This is how we have to look at this year. Jesus might not come back for 10 years, but he could come back tonight. That's how we have to live our lives. He might not come back for 10 years, but I got to live like he's coming back today. I got to be ready in every moment. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, we know that verse, Philippians 4.13 says, I press on towards the goal. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How many tonight as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed are pressing on? I can't answer that for you. Are you pressing on? Are you pushing through? Are you going to make it to the end? Or are you going to let life pull you down? Are you going to let life defeat you? Are you going to let life uh, get, get its way? Are you going to let the devil win? Don't let the devil win. Get it right tonight. Get your heart right. Get, get, get aligned. Let this fast get a hold of you. But not just for 21 days. Let it get a hold of you for life. Tonight all over this place, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you're praying and you're, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Is he Lord in your life tonight? I didn't ask, have you, have you been coming to church for a while? I said, are you ready to meet Jesus? Do you love him? Is he Lord? That's what matters tonight. All over this place, how many could say, you know what, I'm not ready but I want to be tonight. I, I, I want to take up that cross. I want to accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be transformed. I want a new life. Just lift your hand up tonight all over this place. Say, pray for me. Quickly, all over, pray for me. 
I need Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I need Jesus tonight. I need Jesus. I want to make sure that he's Lord. I want to make sure he's everything to me. I want to, I want to go all in. I want to count the cost tonight. Am I willing to give my life for Jesus? Am I willing to, to do whatever he says? Am I willing to go where he says to go? Am I willing to do what he says to do? Am I willing to stop what he says to stop or start what he says to start? Just listen to his voice tonight. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You're running. You're, you're lost. You've, you've, cold, you've gotten cold. Tonight, get that fire back. Get that fire back tonight. Come back to the, to the fire where it's warm, where it's exciting. Let, let, let God stir you up again. Let him get excited like that day you got saved and you wanted to go tell the whole world about what Jesus had done in your life. we got some in, some in here who've been saved weeks and months, and there's an excitement there. Let that rub off on some of us that have been saved for a while, that we get excited again about the things of God. And we don't just show up because we're good people on Wednesday night, and we know we should. We show up because I'm excited to see what God's going to do in His house because He's alive and He's living and His Word is moving and His Spirit is powerful tonight. Amen. 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 We're going to sing a song. I want you to find a place at the altar. I want you to come down and begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray fervently tonight. I want you to lift your voice. I want you to talk to God. If you need that fire inside of you again to be stirred, say, God, put a fire in me tonight. God, stir me up tonight, Father. Lord, help me to be like Rockefeller, Lord, but help me to learn before I get sick. Help me to learn before I have problems. Get, let, me, let me turn my life around and begin to be used by you for a powerful uh, a story in my life, God, of destiny, that lives could be changed through my life tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. This is where the, the pastor shouldn't have to prod you or, or tell you how to pray. This is where you talk to God on your own. This is where you get a hold of the altar. This is where you put your, 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 your money where your mouth is. This is where you begin to say, God, it's you and me and nobody else. I'm going to pray right now, Lord, and I'm going to ask you to transform me. I'm going to ask you to change me. I'm going to ask you to remove everything in my life that is not of you, everything that is not pure, everything that is not holy, everything that is not righteous. Take it away tonight, God. Remove it. And devil, get your hands off my life. Get your hands off my spirit. I'm more than an overcomer tonight. I'm more than a conqueror tonight in Christ Jesus. Amen. When was the last time you used your prayer language? When was the last time you prophesied? When was the last time you opened your mouth and witnessed? When was the last time you, you had something bold come out of your mouth to someone who's not saved? Get a hold of the throne tonight. Amen. Find, find that moment with God. Get a hold of Him. Say, Lord, I, I want a fresh touch tonight. I want a fresh touch tonight. The Bible says this, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. So he will fill tonight those who are hungry and thirsty for his righteousness. He, he don't pour his spirit out on just anybody. He, he'll pour it out on those vessels that are open tonight. In the name of Jesus, Father, let your fire fall in this place. Let your spirit move in this place. Let your power move in this place. Oh, Jesus, we come before you hungry. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.